Fun tonight, everybody. We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Fox, and Dan. And you may have noticed we're down a member again, but it's okay. It's happened. <laughs> everybody who needs to be here is here. Ooh. Yeah, TV definitely doesn't edit this, and we can definitely talk all the smack we want on him in this review. He'll never know. He ain't here. It's a free pass. Oh, I just got a text from uh, Terry, and he said, please specifically say this on the show tonight. My name is Terry, and I love Kangaroo Jack. Just watched it again. It's the funniest movie of all time. 10 out of 10. Finally. <laughs> His true feelings are out. <laughs> He's come around. He loves it. <laughs> it's okay. I get it. You know, I can see how he wouldn't want to, you know, say it in person in front of us. It's all right. I, I got you, Terry. We we got you here on the show. But uh, yeah, we're doing a, a little break again, a little one-off. And uh, we, we picked Guns Akimbo. With Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, this uh, movie had that meme picture of him like standing out in the street with the guns pointed up and he's in like a bathrobe and his underwear and the big like <laughs> monster slippers they got real popular how long has that meme been around because yeah i feel like the meme's been out for like five years i didn't even know it was like a movie for the longest time i guess they filmed it for a while then <laughs> yeah I, I don't know exactly when it showed up i probably could have looked that up but it's been around forever and uh eventually the trailer dropped and he was like in it doing that i was like oh okay so that's what that's from does he have the nails in his hand in the meme i would assume so i'm looking at the picture right here from imdb and he has it in this picture so okay yeah i just like i i never noticed it you know i mean if you're not looking for it you might not notice it i guess oh yeah they are there wow all this time, I've seen that meme like a hundred times, and I never noticed that his hands were messed up. <laughs> well, you were probably looking at his uh, his legs and his, <laughs> his slippers. <laughs> the fact that yeah. Harry Potter was out there doing weird stuff. <laughs> I do always find it interesting to see what these big name actors do after they've been like typecast in the one role that got super popular for that role, like Daniel Radcliffe, and had eight movies yeah like daniel radcliffe is harry potter after that he did what horns and uh he did uh woman in black oh yeah a lot of stars go and do crappy horror films afterwards i've noticed he was in swiss army man right yeah that was him i liked that movie a lot victor frankenstein now you see me too so he he's really been a out there he's done some like theater stuff too plays i know oh interesting it'll be curious to see what kinds of movies he's doing in like 10 20 years down the road because he's just doing all kinds of weird stuff i mean we all know him for harry potter but he's just out there doing whatever even though he doesn't have to work another day in his life because he's so filthy rich <laughs> i do think he spends a lot of time trying to get away from that harry potter image it's hard to do, though, after eight movies. <laughs> it is. 
And I, I think I, you all know what scene I'm going to talk about when I mention it in this review. <laughs> <laughs> Have we given the plot for this yet? I feel like I keep talking about plot points. And then... No, we haven't. Mike is slacking, dropping the ball. <laughs> I was talking about uh, Daniel Radcliffe. I did see the IMDb description for this movie, and I don't really feel like it's super accurate. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, really. So what's the Fox Jackson take on the synopsis? Yeah. The Fox Jackson take is a white knight internet troll decides to white knight an organization that puts on legitimate death matches and finds himself in a world of pain when guns are nailed to his hands and he's forced to compete in the very tournament he ridiculed. It's true, he's a big troll at the, the beginning of this movie. He loves the troll, he gets off on it. <laughs> he does, he's like, I'm the ultimate anti-troll. <laughs> I did like that scene of him just like down in his beers, <laughs> like trolling people <laughs> on the thing. I wish they would have shown more of what he was typing, but I guess they got the point across. You know, that was actually one of my issues with it. Like, why did they pick him out of everybody in that, like, chat thread, right? Because later on, they go back to it, and they show what people are typing, and it's pretty bad stuff. So I'm like, out of everybody, why did they single him out as his stuff was not okay? <laughs> I think there was that scene where uh, he was trolling, and then the guy behind, uh, what what is the organization called? I can't even remember. Like, called him out, and then he was like, all right, I'm taking you on. And so he trolled the guy who actually had the power to do something about it. Yeah, but, I mean. It's not a great call to action. No. By any means, but. I feel like this movie is like ironclad in plot armor, man. This is like the paladin of movies. It's so heavily <laughs> fortified in plot armor, <laughs> mm -hmm. which I mean, you know, that's not to say that it can't be, but I do feel like it might have heard it in a few instances. It is very convenient. <laughs> I'll give it that. There's a lot of conveniences made <laughs> for the story. I'll agree. You know, the just the idea of this movie and the trailer sounds Way better than the movie actually is, I think. I know. Okay, it sucks cool. Too. I'm glad we're getting it out there right off the bat. <laughs> and it's it's sad because there is like a few instances of brilliance in that fun, cheesy, over the top action that the trailer, you know, was marketing this as. Those are in there, but they're so far spread out between each other that you kind of got to drag through a slog to get to it and it's a slog oh, oh, oh man did you guys ever see um i think it came out when we were in high school it was called gamer with gerard butler no i never did i heard it was pretty bad oh my god it was horrible i mean it's not really the same plot kind of people can sell themselves into indentured servitude and be injected with nanobots that control their body and then people use real humans as video game avatars but it was so bad, like, it was just full of all this grossness and gross people, like, 30 minutes of that for two minutes of action, which this one's not quite as bad, but I felt like there was a lot of similarities. You know what else this movie is similar to, but is not even close to as good as? What's that? 
The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> How come you always bring this up? Man, The Running Man is a classic Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's great. That's a classic. I'll hear none of it, Mike. I'm not saying it's bad. Just saying, I don't. It seems like every time, well, not every time, quite a few times you bring up the running man and compare it to movies. I would have never compared it to the running man. This is just like the running man takes this. Well, Daniel Radcliffe is no Schwarzenegger, but basically, yeah, it forces this guy who would otherwise have no business in this death like gladiatorial show into doing it and then he's got to figure out how to survive once in there this it goes about a lot differently in this one but it's still the same premise yeah i get it but there's a ton of these kind of movies that take you know the character you would never expect the guy you'd never expect and then he has to become the the hero of the story and save the day like that that's a pretty common trope yeah but This one's similar in the fact that it's like a gladiatorial combat thing and there's, um, they hype up the characters involved and then they have everybody watching them. Granted, in The Running Man, it's an actual game show, which I think actually helps that one be superior to this film because they don't really do anything with it being in real life, really, (laughs) with this movie. Which is a, a cool twist on that idea, I think, but they don't do anything with it, which sucks. And I'll, I'll be comparing it to The Running Man again when we talk about characters, so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, like, watch The Running Man this weekend too, Dan? Oh, no, but I, I this, let's say every minute I was watching this, I wanted to turn it off and watch The Running Man instead. <laughs> So this movie reminded me a lot of the director Jason uh, Leigh Howden's other movie, Deathgasm. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, good old Deathgasm. You've seen that, Fox? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I was like on top of that scene. I was so stoked for Deathgasm when it came out. Exactly. I mean, it, it sounds really cool, but it's about the same as this movie where it's the idea is so cool and then the execution is just kind of a... Uh, mediocre i think it's better if only because the budget's so much lower and they (laughs) have to work with a lot less but yeah no you're not wrong it was also a pretty big letdown on the whole they had the same rating on imdb 6.3 wow (laughs) these aren't the worst movies it's just they could have been so much better and i don't i i think that this director has good ideas he's a good idea man he's he was also like, he was a visual effects guy, isn't he? He worked on Avengers. Yeah, he's like a a visual effects and art director and that kind of stuff. And those things look awesome in both of his movies. Like the, the practical effects in Deathgasm. I loved all the, the color in this movie. The neon lights. When they'd show up and show, like, how much ammo he has left. I like those. Yeah. And there's that scene at the end, you know, after he he bashes the guy's head in with the pistols and he's like having that fantasy. That scene looked awesome. I love that. I wish that style was more in the movie, but well, it's not. There's a lot of things I wish this movie was that it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I, I feel like this guy is a good guy to have on as a director, but he needs somebody else in there. He needs a team with him. A writing team? 
he needs a writing team, <laughs> a, a directing team, something in there because he's got the visual effects down and they look really good in both his movies. That's true. They do look good. I won't argue that. And he's they're both really cool, unique ideas. I mean, Guns Akimbo is more uh, akin to other ideas and story plots and stuff than Deathgasm was, but... Which is a bummer, because that was the movie I always wanted, but then it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this this felt a lot like Deathgasm to me. And you can watch Deathgasm for free on Prime as well. That's where I watched it, uh, like, three or four months ago. That is a really good comparison. I didn't really think about it at the time, but you're right. They They really do share a lot of similarities in that super epic idea. Terrible execution. <laughs> yeah, that and the, the same problems, too, in that one. Well, I think for me, it's always the character development they try to shoehorn in there. I would agree with that, because that is pretty heavy in Guns Akimbo. Oh, man. This whole, like, daddy, detective, daughter, gladiator thing, plot they try to shove in there. Yeah, because they're in the police car, and Daniel Radcliffe literally is like, I do not care, dude. And I'm sitting here in my in my room, and I'm like, I also do not care, dude. Let's get going here. I want to tell no. you a story. <laughs> He's got to tell me his lame story, and then he just gets killed anyways, so it barely even mattered. And then there's another plot convenience where he meets up with Nick's, who's he's supposed they're supposed to kill each other in this or whatever um so they can team up and it's a plot convenience because of how the tracking device works because there's no way that she would have found him without schism the organization behind it being able to track him too there's no possible way <laughs> she does just seem to always be on his trail when everybody else has to be like hacking his phone and gpsing him all the time mm -hmm. well they make a point to show that she can find him whenever he turns his tracker on and then so it leads me to believe that he had to turn his tracker on so that she could find him there with her dead dad so Schism should have been able to see that, too, and then known that it was all a fake, a fake-out death when she shoots him. There's a lot of conveniences like that to make up for the bad writing. <laughs> Got some big old World of Warcraft plot armor pauldrons on. <laughs> yeah, no joke. And I guess while we're talking about the character development, too, I did not like what they were doing with Daniel Radcliffe's character. It's fine and all that they're doing like, all right, he needs to uh, step up and be the hero to save his girlfriend when she gets kidnapped and everything, ex right? Ex-girlfriend. Yes, ex-girlfriend. That's fine, but the deeper layer and kind of the thing they're going for, I was not a fan of. This movie is big into, or tries to be big into, like, the gamer uh, scene, right? But you can tell just by watching it that this director has no idea <laughs> about what the gamer scene really is like or anything. It's all surface-level stuff that I didn't like at all, right? Because the main theme of this is... Oh, look, gamers are just these trolls behind the keyboard who make crappy games and don't do anything with their lives. And so when presented with an opportunity to actually get off 
the couch and go do something in the real world, they need to do that because otherwise they're just a piece of crap that doesn't contribute. That's the main underlying theme of this movie, and I think that that is extremely short-sighted and uh, hurtful and ignorant. So <laughs> that's a lot of what Daniel Radcliffe's character is about in this, which I find offensive, and I did not care for one bit. Well, I didn't get that as the main theme of this movie. It's the underlying theme. Well, I think the underlying theme was that... Uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character was this low-life dude who was just getting drunk all the time and hated his job, and he was a troll online, and he got thrown into this other thing. I don't. That's not really a theme. I don't even know what the theme would be, but I didn't get that as a theme. I think it was definitely trying to tap into the gamer culture, kind of the same way that uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was trying to do. Well, the whole Scott Pilgrim thing is like a video game because he has to defeat the evil bosses to get the girl. And that's kind of what this is too, but I didn't get it as like a hostile message towards gamers. I thought it was more Daniel's Radcliffe's character was uh, just this cringy guy who was an internet troll. And I don't I don't know how to get a message out of that. <laughs> I guess I took it more as hostile because of all the like terrible cringy references they were sticking in there, right? And then just like where he lives and all the stuff he's got there and all that. And then he working for the mobile development company is like where it's obviously just a bunch of jerks who are <laughs> sitting there running it and everything, right? Well, his one friend there was pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. He was like, I need you to reach into my pants. That was like the one good guy in the movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the only good guy. But other than, it's like all that combined and that, I, that that's what I took from it anyways. Because, I mean, he's still, he's still that gamer troll guy. And, I mean, the main bad guy's always telling him, hey, you can finally get up and actually do something with your life. And that's such an old trope, right, that gamers live in their parents' basement and just don't do anything and troll people, right? So I feel like they tapped into just the most out-of-date references and out-of-date gamer mentality things from the rest of the world to make the film with and i didn't care for it at all oh, i see where you're coming from it's like the same issue i had with gamer like daniel radcliffe is kind of gross in the beginning and then everybody who's watching him on the dark web version of twitch that streams schism they're all like disgusting people which was the same thing in that gamer back in the day everybody who was playing the game was like disgusting and it kind of makes me wonder, like, who the target audience is here? Like, is this for gamer people or are we all disgusting? <laughs> like, which is it? <laughs> it's like, it'd be, I think it'd be different if they had like one character in here who is actually good. But yeah, like you, you brought up Fox, which was a good point. I forgot about all of the like people watching the show are like just awful. Like you've got the, they have this fat guy eating like, Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew essentially and he has a blow up doll <laughs> beside him sitting on the couch which admittedly is funny 
Like, but if they were doing well, it, you said Mountain Dew and Doritos, and I was like, TV? Where's TV? <laughs> <laughs> I do like me some Doritos and Mountain Dew, but there's a difference between like doing it in jest and good naturedly, and then doing it to be hurtful, I guess. And I this I took it to be more hurtful than in jest, like because cause everybody's like that. The people at the internet cafe, all everybody. It's just like. It's something I'm like, I thought the world grew past this already, and it's annoying to see that at least Jason Lee Howden still holds those backwards thoughts. I don't think he does, because he strikes me as that kind of guy who would be a gamer and stuff. That's why he's got these references in there. I just think he's not a very good writer and doesn't know how people are going to take it. If he is and I took it this way, then yeah, you need to hire a writing team because I took it completely the wrong way if that's not what he was going for. Well, he definitely needs to hire a writing team because it would strengthen his movie so much. But I don't know. I found, I didn't find this very offensive. I found it kind of more as a, a jest, a joke. Like they're going for a, a cult classic-y kind of feel, but it doesn't ever get there. I find this less offensive towards gamer and nerd culture than the Big Bang Theory. I find that very offensive. Oh, towards. yeah, that that one's awful. I, I think this director is, he's he's a nerd. I mean, if you look at the projects he's worked on, he worked on The Hobbit, Avengers. Um, Deathgasm is a hardcore nerd movie in idea. He was on War of the Planet of the Apes. I just don't think he knows how to write the story to get that over-the-top feel, and I can definitely see how you got that, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because his two movies he's made by himself are kind of more on the nerdy side. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, too. Um, I'll just say, like we said again, get a better writing or get a writing team so that people don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> Especially your target audience. Cause yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what kills me is like, who is this for? <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't that offended more so than just confused. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes with the the pacing on this movie. It's just kind of all over the place. If it was so over the top the whole time, maybe you wouldn't get that. But there are those sections where, like you said, Fox, they try to force character development. And that slogs it down. Like, the whole homeless guy scene. Man, that guy was funny, though. <laughs> no, wait, don't you start it on the homeless guy. <laughs> he was funny, and he's that uh, he's that guy from Yes Man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's the boss. <laughs> and he's in a lot of other stuff, because this, this is a New Zealand movie. This is a New Zealand director. It's the whole New Zealand shebang. It feels like uh, kind of what we do in the shadows vibe a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what it is. These New Zealand movies and films have a certain feel to them that's different. I, I don't know how to, like, categorize it, but I can just kind of tell when I watch it. And it's not the accent all the time, <laughs> okay? It, it just has, like, a, like an indie feel to the movie, but then it has these super over-the-top, like, blockbuster scenes in it and effects. I tell you what it is for me is the audio, right? So, like, you know, like, you watch Avengers, right? Anytime one of the Avengers does a one-liner, they make sure that if there's, like, some loud battle or big epic music noise going on, that you hear that one-liner. 
But I feel like in all this New Zealand stuff, they're the, the quips are just, they're coming out left and right, but they're real quiet, almost like under the breath, almost mumbled, not mixed out above all the noise. Especially in the hammer fight. <laughs> yeah, like, what is she even saying? To, like, what are they talking about? I don't know. Yeah, I could hardly hear them. Yeah. And it's the same thing what we do with the shadows, but I think it plays a lot better in that movie and series. <laughs> well, that's not an over-the-top action fest either with explosions and gunfights and beating each other with hammers yeah i wonder if um there's like a big studio over there that films a lot more indie stuff or gives a lot more resources to indie directors and that's why we get these movies that kind of feel like they're indie but they're really big and they get big like worldwide this had a lot of producers on it, or production companies. I think I saw like four or five. There was a ton of those logos at the beginning. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I'll have to do some more research into it, because I don't really know. That's just me guessing. <laughs> Going on with the indie feel, I didn't care for the music at all in this, but that does make it feel more like an indie film, I think, because it's using a lot of like licensed popular licensed songs well remakes that are not anywhere near as good as the originals i might add oh you mean ballroom blitz don't you <laughs> that there there's a couple others too that ballroom blitz cover was the crappiest cover of a song i think i have ever heard in my entire life a lot of indie films do stuff like that but yeah they, they don't fit in this movie at all I've gotten kind of annoyed when movies do that now. Like, it worked in Guardians of the Galaxy, but they tie it into the plot for that movie, so that's an exception. It didn't work in Suicide Squad. It didn't work in all those, like, late 90s, early 2000s sex comedies. Or <laughs> It doesn't work in all those. It's like, What are you talking about, those pop punk songs? I love that in the 2000s movies. Do love pop punk. No, it's not good. You know what else this has that reminded me of those? Terrible narration. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll give you that one. How dare you bash on the pop punk? I'm just a normal kid. I drink Mountain Dew and eat Doritos. <laughs> I bet you thought I was going to get the girl. Well, I didn't. Surprise. <laughs> I, I don't know. Those are kind of fun. I, I didn't hate the music in this one as much. I think it's better than them probably trying to do something themselves. Because I don't know what they would have done. A cool synth track would have been awesome over this. I don't know. I didn't despise it so much. The ballroom blitz wasn't great, but uh, there was the you spin me right round, baby right round or whatever. I forgot about that one. Ooh, that one was real bad. <laughs> it wasn't the worst, but I don't know. It didn't bug me too much because the action going on was like somewhat decent. The spin me round one was okay. Don't get me mostly I gotta say mostly it was that ballroom blitz one. It was so bad. Like I feel like the original song by Sweet would have fit so much better in this movie. Like I don't know who the group was doing this re-recording, but they clearly didn't listen to the original song. They just like walked in and somebody <laughs> handed them sheet music and was like, okay, just 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 play this, you know, just do it however you, you know, however you interpret it. This will be fine, I'm sure. Yeah. It didn't bug me as much. 
as it bugged you, Dan, but I, I get it. It was an interesting choice. I, I'd take it over the narration. I just don't like narration in movies. To me, it's a sign of bad writing because you can't get it through the character's actions or any of that. So you've got to narrate it. So I I just don't care for narration. It depends. I mean, in stuff like Arrested Development, I think it's good. That's not a movie, but... Well, that's because the guy's making fun of the characters when he's narrating. If they do it right, I think it can be done. And, and this does not. It's it's your late 90s, early 2000s sex comedy narration is what it boils down to. And that's not good. I don't even think it was necessary. You know, I think we could have picked up on everything he narrated just from the context of the dialogue in the scenes. Yeah. Like, he's got the picture of Nova on his phone still and liked her picture on Instagram. And then when he calls her and they like meet up or whatever, then you can put two and two together just like that. You don't need narration about like your ex, her being your ex-girlfriend or something as an example. She even sends that text that's like, I'm sorry how we ended things. Like, bam, right there. Okay, we know it's the ex. We can cut out a minute of narration. What did you like in this movie, if anything, Dan? It's not a long list, but <laughs> I loved the homeless guy. Yes. <laughs> he was the funniest part of this movie, I thought. He, he stole the show. That guy was great. All his jokes were really funny and landed well which was nice and you can't say that about any of the other characters really except daniel radcliffe when he actually has jokes some of the humor was okay like i liked it when um <laughs> when they uh when they chopped off nix's finger and she had to flip off daniel radcliffe by grabbing it <laughs> and sticking it on her hand <laughs> i liked watching daniel radcliffe have to figure out how to do things with guns attached to his hands. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, did we see his uh his uh dingaling? We did. I assume that was like a prop or somebody else's, but I don't know. That's what I was talking about when I said he wants to be an adult, you know? Yeah, I was like <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, man, you don't have to show us your <laughs> you're dilly-dally to make us think you're not Harry Potter. just feel like he's always like, here's the most adult thing I can do in a movie and does whatever <laughs> that thing is. Yeah, I don't blame him. I think we can appreciate and respect a dude hanging dong, but this is a dude <laughs> fumbling with dong, you know? <laughs> with guns attached to his hands. <laughs> it was funny. I will give it that. It was funny. Yeah, he had to, like, psych himself up to do it. <laughs> also, back on things I liked, um, I said I liked Daniel Radcliffe, didn't I, in this? I think you hinted at it, but you didn't say it. Okay, yeah. I think he does a good job with what he's given. Like, he's a good actor, and I like seeing him in movies partly because he does crazy stuff it gets in crazy movies but he's a good actor and i like seeing him and stuff i wish he had like i don't know more to do in this like when <laughs> for the first half of the movie when he's still getting used to his guns every time he like 
shoots one. He like recoils in pain because they're bolted onto his hands and it obviously is hurting him when he fires it. And I loved it. It was so funny because he's such a terrible shot. And every time he tries to shoot something, he's like, ah! (laughs) Yeah, or he's going deaf. Yeah, he was so funny in this. I just wish, I don't know, they gave him more stuff to do in it because I feel like they have a good balance between the main characters in this. And I kind of wanted more Daniel Radcliffe, honestly. Yeah, I think uh, Daniel Radcliffe did a great job in this. You know, I didn't view him as Harry Potter once. I was just like, that's Daniel Radcliffe. That's kind of my thing with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> really? You don't like that? Well, he just reminds me of Will Smith. I see him and I'm like, that's Daniel Radcliffe, because he's being Daniel Radcliffe. He starts out as a pathetic guy and then he grows a little bit of spine by the end. That's like his MO in movies, except for obviously Swiss Army Man. You know, I. I think he, like, carries this movie. If he wasn't in it, I I don't know how this would have been. This probably would have been a lot worse if he wasn't in it, at least for me. I agree. That's probably why I wanted more of him, because I hated all the other characters in this. Like, he plays it a, such a cringy guy, but he does so with such a charm and charisma to him that it, it's well done, and you you, like, kind of root for him. I really like Samara Weaving, and I feel like they did her a pretty big disservice by making her character a meth head in this movie. I wanted a lot more of her with more cocaine and less methamphetamine. (laughs) (laughs) She's so gross, too, in this. She just looks terrible. She does. She looks awful. Half the movie she's running around with, I don't know, a crack pipe shoved up her nose? I don't know what it is. What? The dollar bill or cocaine snorter? Yeah, something, yeah. She has something <laughs> stuck up her nose half the film. And like, she has like, I don't know, fake gold teeth and crap. Like, ugh. <laughs> they do her a huge disservice. It's the same for all the other like schism people. They're all like gross and nasty. And this is what I wanted to bring up the running man and compare the two. Because in The Running Man, it's a game show, right? So all the, like, contestants are these over-the-top guys that have crazy cars or crazy, like, outfits and things. And you've got, like, Sub-Zero and people like that. And it fits really well in that. And they're more memorable, and you can latch on to them and get a good laugh out of them for, because of that. But in this movie, they're all just, like, like what Fox said, they're a bunch of just like druggies and just down degraded people. And it's like, I don't want to watch that. Well, I'm like, especially with her, like, you know, like I get it. Like she's killing people every day. She's number one in a real life deathmatch game. So she's like doing cocaine and meth all the time to stay awake and be alert and kill people. But like, why is that the one thing you have to sell me on with the realism in this movie? Like, why is that the one thing that we are like, this is what a meth head looks like? I don't know. She could have, like, yeah, not been disgusting like that. She looks so bad. I think it was a missed joke. Like, they were trying to go over the top with it and be goofy, but it's just more sad than anything else. Yeah, I don't know. Just like, yeah, why make her makeup so gaunt? And why the gold teeth? Like, Yeah, it's like, it's not fun at that point, right? Which... I mean, you've got a movie where they bolt 
guns on Daniel Radcliffe's hands. You need to go more fun with it, I think. And it really, it's it's at odds with the tone of the rest of the film, I think. I think it would have benefited if the characters were more like over-the-top caricatures or stuff, like in The Running Man. I think that would have made it a lot better. I do feel like I should clarify, and like, I'm not saying, you know, we need to like objectify her and make her this like super hot gun running chick in like the world's smallest pair of denim shorts and a sports bra. Like, I mean, she is like genuinely hard to look at in this movie. That doesn't seem fair to her. She's a good actress. It's not just her. It's like all of the schism people are like that too. They're like going, they're like trying to set it in realism, but then they have all these flashy neon colors and like trying to do gamer meta humor and things like that in here. It's just really, it doesn't mesh well, I don't think. It needed more fun characters. Dare I say, make them more like Suicide Squad characters? <laughs> Dare I say it? Dare because you? Because this movie takes a lot of inspiration from that movie. <laughs> It would have made Daniel Radcliffe stand out more, too, because he's just the normal, ordinary guy with all these <laughs> crazy people and crazy, like, costumes and stuff. It, it kind of still has that, but the effect is greatly diminished because they're walking around with crack pipes shoved up their nose. <laughs> I think he needed to team up with uh, the the girl a lot earlier than they did. Like, that would have been a lot better for the pacing of the movie, and they could have done more character development between the two of them and got more backstory, but that's just not how it goes down, and it goes back to the, the writing as well, so. But let, let, let's talk about the action. What did you guys think about the action? That's what this movie is basically here for the action. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I hate what they did with the camera in this movie because <laughs> it's the shaky cam. I knew it was coming. The the action in this film is filmed so poorly. It is like, oh, I this has got to be some of the worst action filming I've seen in a long time. The worst. Yeah, they're breaking every rule for style, but it's not working like you've got him doing full 360 degrees so you can't like you can't tell where people are at half the time so it looks like they're just teleporting around the room because they're going over that line or whatever that you're not supposed to and on top of that you've got the camera literally going upside down and spinning like it's rolling which just makes you dizzy. I mean, I'm watching it and I'm tilting my head to the side. And if I'm tilting my head to the side, that means you're doing something wrong with your movie. It's just, oh, it's so bad. And there's so sh much shaky cam. And I, I, I didn't go back and count, but they do like a taken three fence thing where I'm pretty sure they use like six cuts to show Nick's shooting her gun out of her car at another person. It's so bad. Oh my goodness. And I don't get it because they abandon all of that crap at the last half of the movie. So it's like, okay, we're going to try all this stuff for style points at the beginning of the film, and then we're going to actually make it to where you can keep track of what's going on in the last half of the film. I mean, I'm glad they did it because you can actually watch it. 
at that point. <laughs> but man, the first half is painful to watch. Like it's making me dizzy. I couldn't tell what was going on. Oh man. And it sucks because when you can tell what's going on, it's actually pretty cool and pretty fun. You know, I generally defend shaky cam. I never really minded it, but I gotta say in this case, I like thought I was going to be sick watching several scenes in that first half. I know exactly which like loopy like it goes upside down scene you're talking about. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. I finally found the limit where it's too much for me. I mean, I'm all for trying things out, right? But when it comes to where you place your camera, the cinematography or whatever for action scenes, there's pretty clearly a right way to do it. And you can't really deviate from that too much without it being hard to follow. I, I think I'm more forgiving than you are, Dan, for a lot of stuff. There is some bad camera angles in here, but I'm more forgiving with this kind of movie. Like, if I'm watching Ip Man or John Wick and they start pulling this kind of stuff, I'll probably be like, not about it. Like, what are you doing? But for, like, the indie vibe this was giving me from the start, I was kind of more okay with it. I didn't think it was as bad. It's not great in the first half. And the second half is pretty good, I thought. The action's really cool when Dana Radcliffe and uh, the, the girl stormed the place. That was fun action. That was pretty cool. But the stuff in the beginning, I'm more forgiving on it, I guess. Wasn't great, but I'll, I'll give them a pass for it. They were out there trying stuff. And I don't know, with the vibe the movie was giving me, I was okay with it. Like I said, I'm fine with people trying stuff out, but it's very hard to innovate on action at this point. I mean, you could go back and look at all the movies that did it. I'm going to name one, The Matrix. That was a huge innovation on action and how you can film it. Yeah, and well, I'm just going to say... Uh, the Matrix is number 16 on the top 250 movies on IMDb. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Because it does, like, everything right. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't saying that this is comparable. I'm just using that, like, example for the innovation and action filmmaking and things. I think, you know, it's okay to take risks, especially if you're kind of like a more of an indie filmmaker. This guy was a visual effects dude this is the second movie he's made on his own and he's out there actually trying stuff instead of doing the same schlock beaten crap we always see that just comes back in hollywood every time he's out there trying new stuff and i can respect that it's like you know you took a risk it didn't land but i can appreciate that you're actually trying out there i think you're right in that regard because like deathgasm is last movie like, you want to talk about Apen, that 300 style? <laughs> that movie takes no risk in its, like, action zombie fighting scenes. That is all that 300 style, 100% of the way. I think the action in this was, like, like the shaky cam in Elysium or the Red Dawn remake. That, that stuff is the worst I've ever seen in action. This was better than that. It's better than a lot of other action movies I've seen, too, even taking the risks. I'd say the shaky cam's not as bad as Elysium's, but doing the 360s the way they did it, nah. I, I guess for me, when you're in the editing room and you've got it put together and, you, <laughs> and you're watching it and you're 
effects guy starts falling out of his chair and vomiting from motion sickness, you might want to rethink what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I get it's kind of subjective too, because somebody will probably see that and be like, oh my God, that's amazing. And it all kind of depends on what you want out of your action. And most people who've seen a ton of action movies like us, you go watch John Wick, and I mean, you see Keanu Reeves in there doing it in like a single take. Like that stuff is superb. But I, I don't mind these indie filmmakers kind of taking a risk out there and trying it and trying to push it and see what they can do. I think my issue with the action is when the plot bleeds into the action, by which I mean the beginning of this movie, right? We get this big old montage of Nyx doing like her deathmatch killing, right? And there's a scene where she takes on like 20 dudes in a drug lab. And this is like some like John Wick like gun foo stuff, you know? She's like dual wielding the like pistols with the drum mags. There's some decently long takes in there just going nuts. And I'm like, yes, this is good. This is good action. And then we never get that again till the end. It's all this weird crap. And not only that, she's like no longer John Wick. Try as hard as she might, she can't kill Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> like she never really does that again until her and him are teamed up trying to get into like the whatever Twitch streaming center server room at the end. I don't know. Like I was just like constantly like frustrated because we had a really awesome hard start. And then experimental mediocrity until the end yeah i agree with that well other than their first interaction when he outsmarts her with his tv and gets away you don't really buy that she couldn't just show up and blast him and kill him right considering what they've shown you she can do and on top of that too when the story warrants that daniel radcliffe needs to be a good shot he becomes a good shot <laughs> <laughs> right so they do that whole trope too after they did all that awesome humor of him missing all his shots and hurting his hand never complains about it again and never misses again well he misses he misses at the end but it's horribly kinda, yeah so wildly <laughs> it's kind of like a really moment though because you just watched him and nicks go headshot the whole building full of people so it's kind of out of place there too well, I don't know. You guys want to hit some overall presentation? We've been talking about this a lot longer than I thought we would. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I thought like, you know, we were missing a person, so it'd be like, you know, 30% faster, but then it wasn't. <laughs> Terry's like going to watch it and then edit in his own sentences here and make it sound like he was here the whole time. <laughs> Maybe, like that one time when I didn't record and then went back in and... <laughs> <laughs> we do not speak of this. <laughs> I wonder if the listeners know which one that was. <laughs> I know which one it was, but yeah, if you can figure it out, definitely get in contact with us and <laughs> Yeah, please do, because I was pretty proud of myself, you know, I'm just going to say. Like... You did good, and Terry did good editing it in, too. Yeah, you guys ready? Let's do some overall presentation if you guys are ready. Well, I was just thinking, you know, TV was gone, and I, I read this crazy article the other day. Talking about this dude, right? Uh-huh. Who, like, reviews movies for, like, a living, you know, but I, I don't know if it's, like, his favorite thing, but then he decided to hop on, like, a movie review forum. Hardcore started trashing some people that said that they, uh, you know, weren't big uh, Chris Nolan fans. 
<laughs> oh, went a little too far. These people showed up, knocked him out, right? Drug him into a room and were like, you're going to tell us how you feel about guns akimbo. <laughs> and that guy's name was Mad Mike. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Terry would be proud. <laughs> Terry would be proud of the story. And uh, before I say anything, we, we, we have a scale here and it goes uh, in order from least to best or whatever. It's burn it, pass, watch it, and buy it. <laughs> we got to put that in there somewhere after that awesome story. But thank you. Thank you very much. Who, nobody knew where it was going, right? Yeah, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat. You know, this movie. I said it at the beginning, and I'm going to stand by it. The idea is so much better than the actual movie is. And we talked about why. Mostly, I think it's down to the poor plot pacing, the writing, character development. It's it's just not there. But this had all the like workings to become a, a cult classic-y kind of movie. And it just doesn't do that. And unfortunately... I was ready for this movie to be over before it was over. I'm going to have to give this one a pass. You know, I'm willing to give the director the benefit of the doubt on a lot of stuff because he tried stuff. He's actually out there doing new stuff, but it's just not that good. And the stuff that is good in here is not worth, you know, me recommending this to somebody else who could watch something else that's better. So, yeah, you know, like, uh, like Mad Mike said, uh, I was pretty ready for this movie to be over well before it was over. I'm, uh, like I mentioned, you know, Daniel Radcliffe isn't my favorite. He's kind of like Will Smith to me. I just see him and I'm like, that's Daniel Radcliffe. He's a, he's a decent actor. I think he deserves a shot. And I, I can see why he would be popular. Don't get me wrong. But I do really <laughs> appreciate Samara Weaving. And I'm anxious to see where her career goes. And I feel like they really did her a disservice in this one. I've got to give it a pass. Like, I mean, there's so many other good action movies out there that you could watch before this one. Like, I hope this guy goes on to refine his process and filmmaking. I really do, because he has a lot of good ideas, but just don't know if this one is worth the watch. Unfortunately, we have another Daniel Radcliffe film that does not <laughs> really um, work too well. Which is a shame because I like him as an actor and I like watching him in movies. But <laughs> he's not been in a lot of great films um, other than some of the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> this movie just, oh, it just like grates on my nerves. All the characters and their writing and dialogue is so cringy and bad and like... It makes gamer culture and gamers look bad. It feels like a step back in that regard. I could have completely misinterpreted, too, what this guy was going for with his commentary on gamers, so I won't bring that up again. What I will bring up is the action, because it's such a mixed bag. Like, that first half, I hated watching it, but then it actually got pretty decent in the second half and I was like why couldn't you just done that the first half and so all that combined with me not liking any of the characters or anything really is is just gonna be a pass I'm not gonna burn this one 
though I was thinking about it, <laughs> admittedly, because I did like some of the humor and the idea is pretty good for the film. I just wish they would have done <laughs> done it better. Well, there you have it. Um, Guns Akimbo is unfortunately a pass from <laughs> Run the Real. Yeah, it sucks. I was looking forward to it, too. I know, me too. Yeah, that the trailer, the marketing team did real good with this one, so. Well, and that meme was so well planted. I mean, I, I feel like maybe they even kicked it off as like a meme format. Maybe, yeah, probably. So, so what's coming up for next week? Well, you know, we were talking about this guy's last movie, Deathgasm, you know, real rooted in that heavy metal scene. And I thought to myself, you know what? I do, in fact, own a movie that I purchased years ago that I never watched. And that movie is heavy metal. <laughs> Ever since that South Park episode, I've wanted to watch this movie. I swear it's about the music. I love Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> sure it's about the music, Fox. <laughs> I am pretty genuinely excited to see this one. I feel like it's kind of a cult classic, you know, like, thing. Which the whole reason I bought it was that it was back when they were doing those Blu-ray cases that looked like VHSs. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hmm, heavy metal. I'm definitely going to love that one. And then I never <laughs> watched it. <laughs> nice. Oh, hey, they can find us and tell us things somewhere, right? On the internet. Yeah, yeah, you can find us. We're on the internet. We're on Twitter. Run the real at gmail pod or, or run the real podcast at gmail.com. Find us uh, wherever Schism is streamed. Yeah, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Oh, I use Podbean. That's where I go. Find us on Patreon and OnlyFans. Oh, we're not on those. Fox might be, but we're Run to Real Podcast is not. All right. Well, thanks for uh, listening to us tonight, everybody. We really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next week. We're getting back on our series. This is Run the Real, signing off. Bless you. Sorry, TV. <laughs>